Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Another episode of WA Expose, the podcast about local arts by local artists. As always, I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the immense privilege of recording this podcast on Wajak Noongar Budja. Today's guest is a vivid hedonist. She has teased her way across stages in Australia and the high seas, including Perth Fringe, the Australian Burlesque Festival, the Perth Burlesque Festival, and Piano Cruises. Far from a fledgling fetishist, she's an exhibitionist, uh, exhibitionist, I almost had that. She is an exhibitionist at heart and as a whole. Known for her silk fan work, her hedonic hands will both guide you. Ugh. Sorry, I'm going to start that whole paragraph again. I promise I'll get that out. <laughs> no, you can, you can probably cut it in half to be No, it's, per- like, it's absolutely I really perfect. gave, I feel bad, like I, sent my bio and I'm like, that's going to be a fucking tongue twister. It's okay. I'm going to try again. I promise I practiced. I did practice this. No, no. I I totally believe in you. Do it. (laughs) Far from a fledgling fetishist, she is an exhibitionist at heart and as a whole. Known for her silk fan work, her hedonic hands will both guide her silks and caress your sensibilities. Equal parts deity and devious, whether she wields a mic or simply by her gaze alone, you are sure to seek her at the altar. I'm talking, of course, about Camden Champagne. I did it, Camden. How are you? <laughs> Hello, Aria. I'm well. How are you, darling? Doing really well this morning. Um, we are recording uh, via the interwebs today, as people have probably already noticed. And I just want to throw out there that this is what you do for your immunocompromised friends. Um, even if you are in the same state, you are in the same city, you just give them that little bit of notice and we work around it. And I really appreciate you doing that, um, being that you're under the weather and still coming on the show like this. Thank you so much. Um, you're very welcome, Aria. I managed to pick up a Christmas nibble um, and <laughs> was not keen to reschedule at all. So I still wanted to come on and chat. So here we are. Here we from are. The From the comfort of our comfort pants. That's it. That's exactly right. We love doing a medium that isn't visual. You just wear whatever you want. It's great. (laughs) Um, Okay. I was going to ask why burlesque, but I kind of want to say, like, why performance hedonism for you? Well, this is one, this is a big one for me. Um, Hedonism um, in very, very short uh, is basically boils down to be a pleasure seeker in life. Mm. Um, you know, and there's all kinds of pleasure. There's, you know, I suppose as it's called like, um, social pleasures, um, sexual pleasures, I suppose like economic pleasures, food pleasures, that sort of a thing. Like I, as a whole person, as my government name and as Camden, um, I'm a pleasure seeker. I'm after the good things in life. Mm. Um, yeah, it's something that kind of goes like Epicureanism way back to like even ancient Greece. Um, it's a whole philosophy of how we accept, you know, chasing the very good things in life, but also accepting, you know, um, the sad, mad and bad things 
in life. So it's something that kind of really carries through my life um, and into the performance aspect of my life. My life is Camden. Um, there's so many good things there to grab with both hands. You know, it's the three to, three to six minutes on stage. It's wielding a mic. It's, you know, appearing in the background of somebody's act or, you know, it could be picking up clothes after someone has just absolutely rocked the stage. So I do my best to seize all the sexy, sparkling, great opportunities that I have as part of the performance community. Well, that's an incredible way of putting um, hedonism, especially since I'm sure that there are a lot of people who assume that there's a very different um, meaning or connotation because of media to attached mm. to that word. Um, how do you mm. translate that into your performances on stage? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so as Camden, uh, she obviously has a very big fetish mood and this was something I discovered um, or really, really, really cemented for myself um, in my first couple of years as a performer. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of came about after doing the very, very first Apprentice uh, here in WA in 2019. I debuted uh, an act what is what I call um, the voyeur, and um, I had lots of people come up to me afterwards and say that was fantastic. But one comment I'll never forget um, from the lovely Amelia Kisses. Um, she just said, "That you need to do more of that. That's you." <laughs> um, you know, who am I to argue with mother? But like, <laughs> it really, it really cemented something for me about Camden and. Obviously, like hedonism, people obviously very first and very strongly associate with, um, I suppose, like fetish and pleasure and things like that. I I love to indulge and flirt with people uh, on stage, um, particularly with the indulgence, whether it's like, you know, tracing a leg, giving them a wink, um, or it could be, you know, very much more literal in, you know, appearing on stage in, you know, pasties and undies or like a sheer robe or latex, latex. Mm. But um, that could be a different conversation for a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I can find a section here. We can talk about latex. Absolutely. <laughs> we could make it all sexy. It's fine. A hundred percent. When did you sort of make, so you said like, obviously you are debuting this like very specific act that you got a lot of incredible feedback from in, at the Apprentice of 2019. What was Camden prior to that moment? Were you trying to fit into other people's idea of what you thought you should be in that moment? Or like what was the – also, and then on top of it, because I'm going to ask nine questions at once and then you can monologue yep. for a bit. And then what was that turning point where you, your brain goes like, okay, hang on, this is what I want to be? Whoa. I'm loving this like neurodivergent opportunity to info dump for doing this. Hey, Rosaria. <laughs> Um, so with creating the act that I did, creating Voyeur in, uh, 2019, uh, it was first thing comes to mind. It was my first burlesque competition. Yep. Um, and I was at the time being mentored by the lovely and the badass, uh, Miss Alyssa Kitt, mm. who's doing, doing great things far, far away in New York. <laughs> Salute you, Dr. Kitt. Um, and I asked for her help and basically we worked very, very hard together to like make this really, really great. And the whole process of mentorship, um, particularly with 
someone like Alyssa, um, and you know, which you can get from any one of our um, performance professionals, was really drilling into the minutia, into the viscera of creating a burlesque act. You know, thinking about not just music, but you know, the cut and arrangement of music, um, stage presence. Uh, making notes on, you know, why I was making every single sort of movement choice. You know, I got worked really hard and I I had to justify myself really hard and that resulted in what has become now over the years probably one of my most booked acts. Oh, fantastic. And it's it's one that is still years later such a challenge for me because, you know, the the temptation and certainly the feeling is, you know, once you get out on stage, you want to be this sexy human blur and just like blow people away, like light a match and throw it, watch me go. But it's all mostly like about stillness and being deliberate. Mm. And that's such a challenge that is truly, truly ironically the level up um, for me. So um, the whole process, from start to finish for me personally um, and obviously with the great support that I received in creating that act has really helped turn a corner for me. Um, I think Baby Camden at the time, she was uh, maybe two years into being herself and I was still very much like this wobbly little giraffe baby and (laughs) I think you kind of hit the nail on the head is like you know we look around us early in our careers even at different points in our career and you know you feel like oh we have to emanate this person or be like that or be like this whereas Camden like gosh nearly five years later where is that time gone um you know, you realise that certain things around you and in Australia, um, you know, Perth has a fantastic reputation for producing comedic style performers. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas like a scene like Melbourne, they have a wonderful garden of classic style performers and such. And whereas Brisbane has, you know, a wonderful exhibition of neo-burlesque performers. So Mm. it's not so much you have to emanate um, what's immediately around you, you find little ways to grow. And I think finding that that, that little thread um, of, I suppose, let's just call it exhibitionism because that's why we're here, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, pulling that little thread of exhibitionism was what kind of like really solidified the act for me. It kind of clicked a few things together in my life Um and then eventually is Camden that, yeah, produced an act that I'm still really proud of to this day and has, you know, even gone to like the Australian Burlesque Festival and stuff. So I'm very proud of the Voyeur Act. Um, and although the costume is pretty solid, the act itself very much continues to grow. And, you know, as having performed it over and over, it's still one that I definitely reach for. Yeah, amazing. No, that's a really wonderful way of explaining it. And, sort of having that, um, I say morphosis almost moment of being like, this is something that makes you feel like very comfortable in taking on that stage space. But obviously like you're somebody who does very many things on the stage. How have you translated that into say like your MC work or your vocalizing work on stage? I absolutely adore hosting shows. Uh, it has 
I think I started hosting shows uh, maybe two or three years after I started performing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I look, I'm less nervous with a microphone in my hand speaking <laughs> to the audience than I am going out on stage and being, you know, completely mute or performing silent. Mm. And, um, well, frankly, I'm just a smart ass with a microphone. <laughs> the rest is a bit of like neurodivergence and adrenaline. So, um, yeah, I have translated that sort of indulgence, that cheekiness in into hosting is basically, look, the neurodivergence comes in because it's like, pardon me, I've done a lot of really fantastic theme shows. So Queen, David Bowie. Uh, James Bond, mm. uh, there's a fantastic opportunity for a little like info dump. So uh, in in my mother life, I am the the queen of fun facts. Ah. Uh, so I really like I really like to bring a lot of little facts, particularly about the bands or about the performers or about you know certain colours or whatever into um, my scripting. So you know, it really flows with the audience, and like I can kind of like. Tease them with a bit of knowledge. So, you know, even in the instance that, you know, a show wasn't particularly an audience member's jam, I've had a bunch of people come up to me afterwards, particularly at Fringe, and just say, oh, you know, I I, I found that so interesting. I never knew David Bowie's pupils were different sizes. He never had different coloured eyes. It was just his pupil size. Ah, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I really love... Being that person that gets to be the hype person between the audience and the performers, I think that is such an important role. Um, and I absolutely think a host can make or break the mood of a show. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I was I was going to bring up the, um, the facts. It's something that you've become quite well known for is like having this almost trivia-like sensibility when you emcee uh, a, sh- a show or a performance. Uh, and I wanted to ask about like how that sort of concept came about, if it's something that you consciously were like, I'm going to introduce these like facts from outside of the burlesque world mm-hmm. as sort of a bridge into the art scene that, that people may be experiencing for the first time. Like what was the um, the powerhouse idea behind that? Oh, look, I really wish there was some extravagant story behind it but like I said earlier I'm I'm really the queen of fun facts the useless information like I have two degrees in political science and communications I'm a big old history nerd I'm a very fierce competitor at trivial pursuit um I loved you know unfurling fan tale rappers I think that's probably where I got some of my dramatic flair from you know being able to like read out of, you know, I've been in this movie and this movie and that movie and also married this person. Like, who am I? And then, like, this dramatic <laughs> head swish. Like, I'm Hugh Jackman. <laughs> so is it something you, like, specifically go, okay, where's, like, the box where I keep all of my Star Wars trivia? Or is it, like, actually, I already know, like, 16 different things about Adele and I'm going to bring them to you tonight? <laughs> I think it definitely comes from a place of, like, oh, like, I read this or I saw a TikTok or I saw a post about this and I'll research it a little further and all of a sudden it's like midnight and I've got 10 facts or yeah. something. But I love to pick a bit of a thread and I think it kind of, for me, it mixes up the mood. Mm. Um, 
And I suppose I I do my best to uh, host in a way that I would like to watch. Yes, that's a really good way of putting it. I'm I'm very considerate of the audience and their time and their attention span. Mm. Um, so I love to give them a little bit of like out of the box because, you know, we can say to the high heavens how glorious and sexy uh, our cast are and I love to think of alternative ways to introduce them as people. Um, yeah. You know, it might be a fun fact about the colour red and then someone like, I don't know, Autumn Days comes out in this beautiful seasonally coloured costume. Um, and so, yeah, I I just like to introduce a little bit of, uh, yeah, just a bit of different spice into the mix of things and the audience seem to really like it. So, yeah. you know what, that's only encouraged me. <laughs> As an MC, how important do you think it is that you know like obviously it's almost impossible to know every single act inside out and back to front before they come out on stage because that's um, a whole different project that you'd have to go and like watch mm-hmm. them all in rehearsals. But um, how important do you think it is to understand like the theme and the concept around the act that you're about to introduce rather than just like reading out a pre-prepared mm. bio, which we love, obviously. It's all I do here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love a bio. Um, <laughs> definitely. I, I write them. Um I've done a good few sessions of work uh, with the divine Tiki DeVille, who we've had over to Perth International Burlesque Festival. Um, And I really sought to learn more about how to be the best possible host. Um, And look, there's layers of it. Like everyone's got their own approach and, you know, it's a cake, it's an onion, whether you watch Shrek or not. Um, <laughs> I think that I here in Perth uh, and I think hosts and performers who are of the same city, uh, we have the great benefit of introducing and being introduced by people that know us or who are our friends. Mm. Um, and that makes it really easy. That makes it really easy. And, you know, I can get up there and, you know, say that, you know, Gigi Love is our current reigning next burlesque WA. Uh, I can get up there and say, you know, Madame Demi Diva um, came second runner-up. Um, and, you know, I could say someone like Delta Sky, you know, she's a pin-up that she's badass. Like, mm. you know, she's got attitude and things like that. And I can say that because I know these performers. I've seen them perform and I'm familiar with them. Um, there's been a few times, um, particularly when I went to Adelaide Fringe uh, last year, um, I was introducing performers that I had never met and from a completely new city. Um, and I was essentially the, the outsider or the newbie is probably a better word. And yeah. I think it is just a great excuse to go up to folks and say, hey, I'm Camden, I'm your host for the evening. Mm-hmm. Um I just wanted to do the best possible job to introduce you, you know, to their home audience. Uh, Would you mind just telling me a bit about your act? Uh, What's the vibe? Is there something specific that you wanted me to mention? Because, you know, the the host in a show is someone that we see, they're the performer the audience see the most of. So we've got to know our shit and the audience are not silly. Uh, They'll know when we're fluffing. 
<laughs> and they'll know when we have to. Wigs don't glue down sometimes. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but I think it's very much uh, something you have to be proactive about um, or the stage lights will burn you to a crisp, mm. if I may be so frank. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's essential to have that confidence and the proactivity to go up to perform and say, hey, I'm not familiar with you. Tell me about your style. I want to do the best possible job for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I think I just want to like pedal back a little bit because there's something that you said mm-hmm. earlier on in our chat today that I has really just like dug a little nugget in my brain. Um, and that is that you feel more confident and in charge of a space with a microphone in your hand than you do without one in your hand when you have to sort of present these almost silent, not silent, there's music, but these silent to, in terms of your own voice uh, acts mm. to an audience. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I'm sure for a lot of people, the worst thing in the world is public mm. speaking and they would be like, what are you mm. talking about? Yeah, it's, um, I've had that reaction a number of times mm. and it is one of the great ironies, I think, of being, you know, me as my my muggle self and as Camden. Um, look, I think you could high school English the absolute shit out of it. <laughs> but um, yeah. I don't know. I think uh, maybe it's as simple as, excuse me, I enjoy hosting a lot more lately. Or maybe it's like I love verbally expressing myself and I just have a great desire to connect with my audience but you know at the same time having just thought about that comment like our voice is really silent when we perform you know there's so many ways to connect with an audience um I think I just love fun facts to be honest and it's just ironic I love the whole process um you know whether it's performing or hosting, of dressing up, of, you know, putting on costume and some big makeup (laughs) and, you know, I just, I love hyping people up. So, yeah, maybe maybe I'm just in a a hosting phase. Who knows? We were just in the hype man era of it all. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that's um, a really good uh, place to throw to break. And when we come back, we're um, going to talk about the local art scene in our place. Yeah. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And we're back. I'm so joined. I'm so joined. Oh my gosh, can't even do that only bit correctly. I'm so joined by the incredible Camden Champagne. Um, And before we went to break, we were talking about sort of the duality of your character performing with a microphone or performing with your using your body instead Mm -hmm. Uh, and as somebody who plays in both of these fields I'd love to know what you're loving seeing in the Perth art scene at the moment I there's so much to love um (laughs) golly I remember we ran into each other um Aria you and uh Brad Pitt I believe it was Mm -hmm. at Mex Burlesque earlier in the year and you both were asking such, you know, great questions about, you know, what are you looking forward to tonight? You know, what do you think you'll see? And I think the answer between this question and that night is still like, I'm just here for some good, authentic, sexy stuff. Yes. Like (laughs) a a line I love at the moment um, that I've been using a bit in my bio, that kind of like translates into the the wider performance community. I'm here for duty and taste and nudity. Like (laughs) I think nudity equals power. I think, you know, even not getting nude equals power. And I'm loving that there are so many more authentic styles of performance coming out in Perth at the moment, Um, particularly when it comes to, uh, I suppose, emotion. Uh, And Mm -hmm. certainly, you know, a a lot more performers are being open or creating art around the fact of things that have made them uncomfortable or feel really, really powerful. Um, You know, there was a show produced, I think it was by Mayday and Cleo uh, last year. and. Yes, and then I've been a part of Neurodiversity Unmarked mm. um, for a few few runs now, and I'm loving that there seems to be like I don't know the light kind of shining out of the crack of some of those experiences that those performers feel comfortable enough and willing enough to share those kinds of experiences a with their peers. Because sharing stuff with your peers is nerve-wracking. Absolutely, yeah. Outside of ourselves, you know, it's just like we're the toughest audience or, you know, I suppose the perception can be like the harshest critic. Um, But sharing more of, you know, just a little sliver of our authentic selves with an audience, whoever that is, I think is so powerful Mm. and as someone who's going through the diagnostic process for ADHD at the moment, um, you know, I've experienced even early in this process, ADHD may or may not be it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been some times where it's like, oh, hasn't everyone got ADHD or autism or ADD? <laughs> and I'm like, 
just be open. Like if a person is sharing something about themselves, all they are asking you to do is listen, not offer an opinion. Absolutely. In broader life, something I have had to really, really practice is when someone comes to me um, and I have to get in the habit of saying, you know, would you, do you need me to listen or do you need me to provide advice? Mm. So I can tell you um, as a performer that when someone shares something with you through performance art, all they're asking you to do is listen. Yeah. And feedback is not always warranted. It's like we are just, we are sharing this. We are sharing a part of ourselves with you and hopefully it, it stays with you as an audience member. It inspires you somehow. It's completely. And whether or not it resonates with you is completely fine because not every piece of art will, but it's important for you to still be open to ingesting like some of it. Yeah, exactly. You know, whether it's, um, you know, someone might be dressed up as a skull trooper or someone might be, you know, just draped in the color black. Mm. It's all about contrast, right? (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I think I'm loving in the Perth scene at the moment is, you know, slowly but surely we're sharing more of ourselves and not that it wasn't before, but the art, a lot of the art I'm seeing feels like very, very authentic. Yeah. You know, I, a number of my friends and I suppose colleagues um, in the performance community, you know, they're, they're going through life's ebbs and flows, you know, experiencing mental, mental health issues, um, you know, if you're someone like me, you know, going through a diagnosis journey or even like venturing into motherhood, mm. like there's so many wonderful layers of experience to share. It's, yeah, I think it's great seeing more authentic art up there. It makes me particularly very excited for big shows like Next Burlesque, but also like smaller shows like Neurodiversity Unmasked. I think there's so much good there. Yes, absolutely. There are a few things that you said there that really resonated with me in terms of like up and coming and young performers, especially when it comes to creating raw and vulnerable art and also um, warranted and unwarranted feedback or feedback that people didn't ask for in the first place. These can all be like, mm. honestly, mind feels when you're a brand new performer out there in the ethos. Would you have any specific advice for new performers in our industry? Look, I've been fortunate in that I haven't had a lot of unsolicited feedback, but I realise a number of my peers have had time um, mm. with it. Is I think with performers of any stage with feedback, um, you can thank them for it, mm. um, but say, you know, um, I wasn't seeking feedback at this time sort of thing it's like you know if you you wouldn't ask them for advice you know what shoe color to buy car color to buy or what house you would buy then you don't need to listen to their opinion totally (laughs) um when it comes to new performers I think it is as challenging as ever um to be a newer performer um so I suppose someone who's been doing it for less than maybe two years let's say Mm -hmm. it is so hard to know how to do everything, anything and what to do, you know, how do I approach a producer, how do I apply for um, an interstate gig or something like ADF New Follies, Um, you know, how do I get my first non-grad show gig and (laughs) 
I just want to put it out there for some of my newbies is that it is really, really hard. And it, look, it depends a lot mostly on yourself and your willingness to put yourself out there. Also another, I think, a genuine challenge is, and I don't blame producers for this, is, you know, they want to, they have to simply have performers that they are very, very familiar with and like the work of. I won't say don't take it personally because I'm someone who on occasion has taken it quite personally and that just makes me human, doesn't make me anything else. Absolutely. Uh, I think I think a piece of advice uh, for new performers is get to know the people around you. Um, I guarantee you I guarantee we're all human here. Um, <laughs> oh, I love <laughs> Yeah, most of us, some of us just have a very good covering for the lizard skin. <laughs> um, is, you know, if you've always wanted to reach out to someone or you've got someone who you're just a very big fan girl of, or fan person, I should say, mm-hmm. um, say hi to them. Yeah. Uh, in person. Like, I've, I've got to know some fantastic newer performers, either, you know, just through doing socials at Apprentice or, you know, another show like Battle Burlesque. Um, and it's great fun. Mm. Um, and is, I suppose, take it slower than you think you should go. Yeah, that, and that's, this is really, one that's that, a good one. I This very much comes from something I have experienced and sort of like struggled with because um, I, I suffer from impatience. Um, <laughs> Don't we all? Oh, don't we? Um, yeah, take it slower than you think you should go because there's, yeah, just, just enjoy it, I think. I think I lost uh, a bit of time and space to, you know, other opportunities where I could have been enjoying myself instead of, like, I suppose being, like, full at a gate of, like, I want these opportunities, I want to do this, I want to do that. Mm. Like... There's also no point where you stop learning or being a student, Um, you know, and every single time there's workshops and stuff, you will see performers of all different levels of experience or tenure uh, out there, you know, someone as experienced say is Lucy Lovegun here in WA. She's always at workshops. I do my best to get to workshops. Um, and you know, it's there's never a point where you have to stop learning simply because you become a soloist or part of a small performing group or a troupe. Yeah. Um, there's always more to learn about there out there. Um, yeah, they're my they're my two sort of big bits of advice, I think, and advice I wish I could have given myself. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean. Talking about like the way we are all incredibly impatient and sort of uh, want to be the biggest and the best four minutes out of the gate because like that's where we want to be. I mean, it sounds so corny, but it really is the journey and all of the stuff that you learn to get to that position more than it is being at that position. Um, Whether or not that's something that you even should be striving for is a whole different conversation. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, I think... One, I think I'm just sort of one more really great bit of yeah, advice go, go. or tidbit that I picked up along the way. It was from a mix of people um, 
information or a tidbit I read some years ago um, was from two performers. Um, one were, one is Imogen Kelly uh, and the other one was Lucy Lovegun. Mm-hmm. And Imogen wrote this big, long essay on social media some time ago and said, you know, when a costume starts out, so in version one, like just the debut, uh, you know, it's okay to get on stage with a $150 costume or a $100 costume and, you know, low investment, I suppose. But as take my... Wild Richard the West act, the Endora act, that mm. costume has changed shape a few times. Um, you know, you start out having spent a little um, or a set amount, whatever it is, on a costume, and then over time, as you perform it more, you know, cost per wear and things like that, um, <laughs> you can invest more in the costume. Mm. And Gina Sterling is someone who has touched on this as well. Uh, very recently that I read, you know, over time you can upgrade the costume. You don't have to have the Stitch Witch costume. I love Stitch Witch. I need to talk to you. Um, (laughs) Or like the Catherine Delish robe straight up as Mm. a newbie. You don't have to have all of that all straight up. You know, allow the... Uh, and the costumes and the concepts that you create to grow a bit over time, like mm-hmm. the the red gloves you have in the first iteration might change to blue gloves in the second, or they might change to you wear two pairs of gloves and the red gloves are underneath. Yeah. So allowing for that costume growth. Um, the tidbit I picked up, um, I think it was, secondhand or something from Lucy Lovegun what was was the the year that she competed uh, and won all hail our queen um, <laughs> in Rex Burlesque um, she did it um, all her costumes were stuff that she already owned or a majority mm. of it was stuff that she already owned and she made use of that um, and you know stuff there are certain things that can be borrowed um, like headpieces or feathers or fans or whatnot, but that really clipped something for me. Yeah. Um, in that, you know, you can use what you already have and you can, when you do lay down money or if you decide to invest, you can make it stuff that you can reuse across a couple of apps. Yes, absolutely. Like is, yeah, and, you know, there's some... Props and costume pieces are very specific for certain acts. But, you know, if I reuse, say, the fans from my Indora act in another act that, you know, suit the colours, is anyone going to come tap me on the shoulder and just say, excuse me, ma'am, <laughs> you, re- you, re- you re-wore that, you reuse that, how dare you? Honestly, if they come up and they were to say that, literally I would just be like, wow, you're the biggest fan of me in the world. Thank you so much. You must really be following me hard. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're cool. Yeah, right. You're I mean, clearly my, big, my biggest fan. Yeah, have a, have a penny. Absolutely. And as, I, oh, and as a singer, like that would be nuts if anyone said that to me because am I re-wearing dresses all the time? For different songs all the time because they're good dresses. Jesus. Yeah. It's like, oh, if you come, someone came up to you and say, oh, Ari, I just, 
I love that blue eyeshadow that you always wear. You can just be like, sick, babe. It's a, it's a Mac. It's a Huda Beauty. It's a Priceline, you know. So it's a designer brand. <laughs> like, knock yourself out. So it looks like me. So, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone can do garage doors, babe. Get on it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And we do have to start wrapping things up, unfortunately, but I did have one question that has been like gnawing at me because you talked a lot about the great people that you've worked with and all of these like amazing spaces that you've gotten to take hold of. Uh, Yeah. What is your like desert island wish list in terms of like cast or producers you'd want to work with? Like what can we like put out into the ethos for you there? I really think that there must, there's got to be somebody you haven't worked with yet that you'd just love to. Um. I think if it were to be someone local, mm-hmm. uh, my dream um, from a very early stage in my career was to work with Essie Fox Glove. Uh, and I had the great privilege of being able to work with Essie um, through a great number of worship, the show, um, the Gilded Edition and Memento Vivari. And I would just absolutely love to, you know, in my dreams – work on another worship show again and mm. I think that would be fantastic. Uh, no pressure, Essie, it's just a dream. Um, <laughs> I think if it were like big audacious goals of someone I would truly love to work with, um, it'd be Ruben Kay. Oh, gosh, yeah, my goodness. Yeah, I have been to, you know, every single appearance of um, – you know, their shows, the K-hole, and then uh, a lipstick apocalyptic or something. yeah. Apocalyptic, that's <laughs> the one. Um, just Ruben is a force. Absolutely. And honestly, through lockdown, when Ruben would do the regular sort of like wine and comedy sort of hour or half hour, oh, it gave me life and I'm just – dying to meet Ruben and pick more of his brain and just, oh, I think he would just be so fantastic to work with. And, you know, if he were to ever introduce me uh, on his stage, I think I, yeah, that would be the most exciting point of my career, definitely, (laughs) to date. So, Ruben. Hello. And on that note, where can Ruben Kane and all of the other incredible people find you on social media? Uh, I'm on Instagram, so at Camden Champagne, all one word. And if you want to email me, CamdenBurlesqueOutlook.com. Please and thank you. Easy peasy. You'll find all those links in our show notes. Um, Thank you very much, everyone, for listening to another episode of WA Expose. If you enjoyed this one, like, subscribe, et cetera, you already know the drill. Uh, Or you can send us a question to waexposepod at gmail.com and we'll ask our next incredible guest. Thank you so much, Candon, for joining me today. This has been so much fun. It's been an absolute joy, Ari. I hope we get to do this again soon. I might see you at Expo this next year. year. (laughs) This year. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, no. I know. (laughs) WA Expose is an independent production. Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA Expose. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.